If you're tired of the superficial and you're craving real conversation about life, relationships, fears, doubts, and the divine in the middle of it, this is the place for you. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I'm a blogger, writer, and former pastor. And it's my passion to build bridges, not walls, through honest, real conversation and connection. And I want that for you. This is the show that will help you do that and give you not only inspiration and connection, but will help you leave the superficial for good and form the real connections you're craving. Your story matters, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Anna Dimmel, and I am glad that you're with us today. I have been absent the last two weeks, and if you've been following in our Facebook group or know from being in the Patreon group, you know that life has been a bit chaotic for me the past two weeks. It has been heavy, and it has been hard, and I have been pretty transparent with those of you in those groups about what's going on. I'm going to talk a little bit about that today and kind of break open this part of my life where What do you do when things get really dark? How do you find your footing in the dark? How do you chase light when the lights go off? That's what I'm talking about this week. And it's it's something that I've been thinking about for the past couple days. And I am like, okay, I am ready to talk about this. So thank you all for being so understanding and patient while I took a little sabbatical to get through what we're going through right now. And I'm back and I'm happy to be back and I'm happy to connect with you guys. I have to say we have a new Patreon and her name is Jennifer Miller Laprise. I hope I said your name right. I always wonder if I'm saying these names right. Um, Jennifer, she's jumped on to be a patron and I cannot thank you enough. You are a blessing. You are a joy. And I thank you so much for the little bits that we have connected. We chatted a bit, I think, on Instagram. And you have just been such a fun addition to this little tribe already. So, Jennifer, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And to all those of you who support this podcast, you guys, thank you, especially this week. I've heard from so many of you, and you all have been so encouraging and so loving to me and my sweet little family. So, I love you all so very much, and I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. Anyone else who's interested in supporting this show, you can learn more about that on my website, just jesusfollower.com, and click on the button Patreon. I love you all so much. Let's get into this episode. Here we go. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the podcast. This podcast is coming, this particular episode, I should say, is coming on the back end of some heavy recent events, not only in our world as a community and as a tribe on the podcast, but in my world personally. We lost such an incredible voice in the Christian space, Rachel Held Evans' past, a few weeks ago, and I still feel like I'm wrestling with the shock of that. I still feel like 
she should still be here. She has so much work left to do. What happened? Why would a voice like that leave us so soon, leave her babies so young? I don't think there's any words to put on the tragedy of that scenario and of that situation and how it has affected so many people. Her stretch was far and wide, and I was one of the people impacted by her life, by her story, by her words, and I know many of you guys were too. Also, inside of our group here, many of you have been following along with what I've been going through this past week, which was myself and my children testifying in a criminal case towards the former director of my daughter's Christian school. It has been dark. It has been heavy. And, you know, I think that for many of us, we've gone through dark and heavy times. We've gone through hard stuff. But there are those moments when your breath is taken from your lungs and you think to yourself, why? Why this? Why me? Why them? Why now? What is the purpose and point of any of this? One thing that I have heard a lot this past week has been, you know, God's going to make sure that the right things happen in this case, and God's going to make sure that everything is said that needs to be said, and everything is heard that needs to be heard, and and the outcome will be exactly what it needs to be. This is all God's timing. And, and I know that these comments are said in a well-meaning place. I know that. I myself have said comments like this to other people going through hard times. But when you look at situations like the tragic, quick, sudden death of someone like Rachel, and then you look at this situation with my daughters and a bunch of children, little itty-bitty kids, having to get up on a stand and testify to a man in front of a man who hurt them and who they are afraid of, and the trauma that they go through in that scenario, you just, I don't, I can't subscribe to saying, yes, this is how God wanted all this to play out. This is how God intended this day to go. Because if I sign up for the idea that God allowed this trial to come to light and God allowed these situations with these witnesses to be going the way they are, then I have to subscribe to the idea that God allowed them in the first place, that God allowed the scenario my daughters were in to happen to them in the first place. If God is up there willing for these outcomes, then God would have had to have willed the outcome that got us here first. Do you see what I'm saying? It just... I cannot subscribe to that. And this is really hard when you have lived your whole life believing that God is in control. I know I've talked about this on the podcast before, but but this is kind of settling into me even deeper right now because I can't say that I would back a God who would look at Rachel Hell Evans and say, yep, I will her time to be gone now. I can't say that I would back a God that would look at my kids and say, yep, I will them to be 
under this man's leadership and subject to all of his sickness. I, I cannot say that I would subscribe to following a God or a being like that. I don't think any of us would. We wouldn't subscribe to following people that made those kinds of decisions. So why would we follow a God that would make those kinds of decisions? You know, a lot of the ideas of faith and the ideas of trusting and and believing that God is good even in hard times, a lot of those messages are good. And yet a lot of them, I think, are skewed. I do believe in justice. I believe in a God that is just, a God that is good, a God that is kind, and a God that is for life. I will never subscribe to the idea of a God being for death, which, you know, for a lot of people, they're like, but wait a second, God was for Jesus's death on the cross, right? So isn't God for death and wiping out all those people in the Old Testament? Of course, God is for death at times. And we just have to trust that there's a good reason behind all of it. Mm, I don't know. I don't I don't know that I would now say I align with that. I don't think God is ever for anything other than life. I think that God wept and grieved when Jesus died because I don't think that God would have wanted that to happen. I think it broke God's heart to see how people rejected, accepted, rejected, accepted, and then eventually murdered his son, Jesus. How would you feel as a parent? I don't think God willed death to happen. I think God always wills life. I don't believe that God ever willed massive amounts of people to be brutally murdered in the Old Testament. People who are up against loads of fear, People who are up against loads of insecurity and greed and panic are capable of doing atrocious things. So atrocious that they can sometimes convince themselves that God is behind their heinous acts. When people feel afraid, when they feel backed into a corner, It's amazing the thoughts that start to get warped. It's fascinating. I'm sure that there are scientific studies done about this. I know from personal experience, my my worst moments as a human in my 37 years of life have been when I have felt backed into a corner and afraid. When you feel afraid, when you feel threatened, or you feel that someone you love is afraid or threatened, it can bring out a heroic side of us. And I think we've all felt that, right? Those instincts are so good, but it can also bring about this awful, awful side of us that is strictly functioning out of fear. When I look at the Old Testament and I look at all of the the stories of men, women, children, animals, every living being slaughtered and murdered and Do I follow a God that thinks that that would be the only solution to a problem? No. I'm pretty certain God is much more 
um, vast in his problem solving skills than to want to wipe out an entire group of innocent people. But do I believe from my time here on earth, being a human myself, that human beings, when filled with fear, can believe or rather convince themselves that God is backing their actions that are based in fear? Yeah, of course. People justify terrible things all the time. All the time. So do I think that God would ever be behind anything involving death? No, I I just don't. And if that, you know, takes me out of the perfect Christian box that maybe some of you have me in, I, I don't know what to tell you other than it doesn't add up in my brain. And I don't think it would add up in your brain either if you really spelled it out like that. All of the traits that we love about God rest in a place of light and love and grace and goodness and justice. None of the traits that we like about life, such as tragedy and death and people leaving us before it's time, abandonment, abuse, not seeing justice, all of us hate those things because all of us are made in the image of God. So when you find yourself in a situation like this, where it's hard and it's ugly and you find yourself thinking, why would God allow this to happen in the first place? And you wrestle with that. What if God didn't allow it to happen in the first place? What if God had nothing to do with it? Well, then does that mean that God is completely hands off and that, I mean, the Bible says that even when a sparrow falls, he sees, yes, yes. Being present and being controlling are two very different things. Do I believe that God was present when my children were facing an unthinkable situation? I do. Do I believe he saw their fear and their and their tears and their nervousness and their just confusion over the whole thing? Yes, I believe he saw and held every single ounce of that. Every tear, every emotion. I believe he felt all of it. I believe he was right there. But do I believe he was somehow going to intervene in a way that meant he could control the situation? No. If I believed that, then this world would look so different. Then every child who's facing an abuser would never get abused because God would intervene. Is one child more important than another? Is one mother's life, such as Rachel Heavens, more important than another? If, if I believed that God could have intervened, then I would have to believe that he would intervene for everybody, that no one would die. No mother would leave before her time. No child would be left without a parent or left in a scenario of abuse. I, I believe that if God had the power to, he would for all of us. 
Because he so loved, he came. For all. None of us are better than anybody else. None of our mothers matter more than another mother. None of our children's pain matters more than another child's pain. We are all in this thing together. So no, I don't believe that God would intervene for one and not the other. I don't believe that. Do we see miracles sometimes? We do. I don't understand that. I I don't know that I will ever understand it. I think sometimes something happens miraculous and we don't know why, but I think it's rare. I think it's beautiful and it gives me like this glimmer of excitement and hope to look at the other side of things, right? Like, ooh, look at that. That was otherworldly, right? I love moments like that. But more often than not, we don't see that. So my faith, our faith, does not lie in what we believe God can and cannot do. Because if that is the only thing your faith is resting on, you're toast. I would be, I would be six feet under right now if that's what I was banking my belief in God on. I would like shut down the podcast, shut it all down, burn the books, be done. If my faith was solely on what God could or could not do. Because if that was what I was banking my faith on, I would not be in the scenario that I'm in. So our faith can't be based on what God can or cannot do because that will leave you bitter and confused and angry and forcing yourself to try to submit to someone that you don't trust. My faith, this faith that I believe so many people before us have built their lives on, It's based on him, God, it, whatever you want to label it, being. I am who I say that I am. It's God being present. The indwelling of spirit. That's what my faith rests on. I don't like using the term built on because I feel like I feel like it becomes a project at that point. And I think I've spent too much of my life with a faith project, with building the foundation, making sure it's tight and airtight and nothing can get in because of, you know, a house built on sand. And, you know, there's all of these things in your head that make you feel like you are building and constructing something that cannot be shaken because if it's shaken, then the whole thing was completely screwed up and a failure in the first place. Well, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm capable of many screw-ups and many failures. I don't need to put myself in a position where I feel like that's just going to keep happening. <laughs> so I'm not building some tower for people to admire with my faith. I'm resting 
I'm resting. My faith rests in the being. Jesus loves me. This I know. Not really because the Bible tells me so. (laughs) Because he loves me. This I know. Nobody needs to tell me. I know it. I know it. And in those moments of tragedy, in those moments of fear, in those moments of, of utter pain, I grip that thing that I rest on inside of me. And I don't grip it because I'm trying to convince it to change the outcome. I don't grip it thinking if I say the right prayer or I quote the right verses or I position my heart to be exactly perfect, that I can make that thing do what I desperately want it to do. I grip it because it gives me life. I grip it because it gives me peace in the middle of chaos. I grip it because somehow... I'm able to stand up and keep walking when I'm holding on to it. I grip it because even in this mess, there's glimmers of light and there's pulses of hope. That doesn't come from my hope of God making the judge do what I would consider the right thing. That doesn't come from me believing that God's going to make anything happen because I, in this case, and my children are so more important than everyone else's. No, I hold on to the hope of knowing that no matter the outcome, we will rise stronger. No matter the outcome, we will be okay. Not because God is on our side and he's smiting our enemies. No. No. I don't want God to smite at all because it might come my direction at some point. Right? Like, no, I rise and I walk and I breathe and I hope because I know that I know that I know that he is with me and in me. And that gives me a strength and teaches me who I am. That indwelling of spirit doesn't change me in a sense that I become something I'm not. It reveals to me who I've always been. And that who I am is exactly who I was always meant to be. And no matter what this life throws at me, no matter what tragedies I stumble upon and stumble into and whatever pits I may fall to the very bottom of, I will rise again. Because the same spirit that rose him from the grave lives and breathes in me. I rest on that. I do not rest on outcomes. I do not rest on people changing. I do not rest on controlling situations. I don't. I surrendered that a while ago because it doesn't work. I rest in knowing that I will get back up.
and that I will usually come out of that grave swinging. (laughs) And I rest in knowing that with every step I take, I get to see more of who I really am. Because let me tell you, this kind of stuff that's hard in your life, the kind of stuff that leaves you questioning and leaves you tangled up inside and leaves you with worry and anxiety and fears and all the things that so many of us deal with. Those things, if you continue to allow yourself to wrestle with that spirit, you continue to allow yourself to breathe and let go of control and let go of this idea of making something happen, but rather allow spirit to soften you through it, to strengthen you through it, to scuff off layers of crap that you've gathered throughout your journey that don't need to be there, labels people have put on you, beliefs about yourself that aren't true, all the yuck. These situations have a tendency to strip that away and reveal who you are. Not some changed, you know, makeover version of you, but actually you. If there's one thing that I have been pleasantly surprised to find throughout this particular situation in my life these past few weeks that I actually really like who I am. I don't like this situation. I don't like the anxiety I feel. I don't like the fear that I'm wrestling with and the bouts of panic. I I don't like any of that. Don't get me wrong. None of that is pleasant. None of that is fun. But let me tell you, on the other side of those moments, I get a glimpse of this person that I always wanted to be. And I think I always wanted to be this person because I always was this person. But so much of other people, opinions, labels, religion, it it just muddied the water and I lost sight of the gem inside. Finding that has been so life-giving. And I want to end with this for you. I know so many of you, and, I, and I've and i come to cherish so many of your stories, but I, there's a lot of you I don't know. I see your downloads. I know that you guys are tuning in and listening, but I don't know your journey. But one thing I do know for every single one of you listening right now, myself included, we all are facing hard, dark things. All of us. And I'm not even going to say... There is a sliding scale of worse and not worse. No, if it's hard and dark, it's valid. So all of us are facing hard and dark things. And I want to give you this. I want you to rest. Rest in the faith that says, you're going to be okay. You are going to rise. You are going to be stronger. You're going to be softer, which, side note, softness is amazingly strong, like beyond, beyond strong. 
soft people versus bitter people, soft wins out every time. So you're going to be softer. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be braver. You're going to be more empathetic. You're going to be more tender. Your heart is going to be able to break for people that didn't break it before. Your voice will become louder. Your light of you will shine brighter. And let me tell you, in these dark scenarios, when it feels like you just are fumbling and you just don't know when it's going to end, wherever there is dark, there is always light. Wherever there is dark, there is always light. Find the light. That has been something that has been speaking inside of me this whole week. I know all I want to focus on is the dark, but this voice in my gut keeps saying, look for light, look for light, chase the light, find the light, look for the helpers, look for the hands who are ready to carry what you can't anymore. Look for the little glimmers of light. What gives you joy? What brings you laughter? What brings you back to life? Chase those things. Sometimes we feel guilty when we set down the dark, heavy thing because we feel like it's our responsibility to carry it 24-7. Put it down. You can pick it up in like 10 minutes, I promise, but put it down. Go to what feeds your soul. Go to what brings you joy. Go to what brings you life. And any guilt messages for setting down the hard thing, just tell them to shut up. Chase the light. God is light. God is not death. God is life. God is good. God is joy. God is peace. But most importantly, God is. God is present. Rest in the being. Rest in the presence. That's it. Be present. Know that you're not alone. Know that there is an entire other realm that is present with you in it, that sees you, that knows you, and that's just holding your hand saying, let's go. Let's go. You can do this. Let's go. I will weep with you. I will cry with you. But now let's go laugh. (laughs) I'm going to laugh with you. Let's go be silly. Let's go find something really good to eat. Let's go find something that's fun. I hope this lifted you up a little bit. I hope this breathed some hope and some life into you. And I want to tell you, you're not alone. I'm in this, so much in this with you. And we're going to keep chasing the light together. Go in peace. Hey there. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. You can find my blog and links to my Instagram and Facebook account on my website at justajesusfollower.com. I hope you join us next week for another raw, honest conversation. In the meantime, go in peace and know that you are enough.